Please turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3. This is going to be toward the end of your Bible, 2 Peter chapter 3. Um, I'll give you a page number here in just a minute. If you're using the Black Church Bibles, that can be found on page 1019. Our text today is simply the last verse, verse 18, chapter 3, verse 18, but I thought I would go ahead and just begin reading at the beginning of the chapter, just so we can really get the the context as Peter draws the second and final epistle of his to a close. So 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, I would ask the congregation to please stand for the reading of God's word. Let's hear the word of God together. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly." But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a With a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed." Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these... Be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved... Knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word. Please be seated. So we've taken a break from our study through Matthew to focus on commitments we should have as Christians and specifically as members of Abounding Grace Church. Two weeks ago, we saw that we should commit to gathering together to worship the triune God. We know God deserves all of our praise and honor 
And, and we can do that in special and profound ways together as a ga- gathered body of believers, as the body of Christ. And then last week, we considered the commitment to encourage one another with truth in love. That was from Ephesians chapter 4. Encourage one another with truth and love. This is how God has designed us to grow as a body of Christ. Pastors and teachers equip believers by teaching the gospel and in, in all of its glorious implications. And then members speak that gospel truth to each other in love. Spurring on one another in our walks with Christ like Hebrews 10 mentions. Engaging with one another in fellowship serving one another, doing life together so that as we serve one another with the gifts of grace that God has given us, we can continue to encourage one another with the truths of the gospel. So those first two commitments go hand in hand, don't they? We need to gather together to worship because when we're together, that's when our lives are intersecting. That's when the joints are are connecting, I guess you could say, in the body, right? And that's when we can serve one another in love by encouraging each other with the truth of the gospel. And as we do that, like we saw again last week from Ephesians 4, we will grow up together into Christ, our head. He will be maturing us, conforming us as a church more and more into his image, the image of Christ, that together we could be a, uh, an increasing display of his glory to the world around us. So today I want to highlight a third commitment we should make as a member of AGC and that is to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. So we're talking about growing again, right? Uh, two weeks in a row, we, we kind of have this image of, of growing, of, of being a babe and, and growing into a mature man. But today, I want to focus, and when I th- speak of this commitment of growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ, I'm really focusing on it more individually, Each of us personally needs to commit to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. The gathered church is a great place to worship and grow, but it should not be, these times should not be our only times of growth and worship, right? As believers, as followers of Christ, we are to be personally walking with Christ throughout the week. We're to be worshiping and growing in Christ throughout our week so that when we do come together, this is kind of like the the pinnacle of our worship. This is like the overflow of our worship with God. This can be the culmination of the growth that God is, is doing in us throughout the week. So we find this call to grow in 2 Peter 3.18. By the way, this verse is the, the mission verse of our young adult ministry. That's why it's called 3.18. It's from this verse, 2 Peter 3.18. So look again with me at that verse, our text today. Peter says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. These are the final words of Peter's second letter. And these are words that are penned not long before Peter would be martyred, before he would be put to death for his faith in Christ. Peter's writing to Christians who are suffering persecution, and as we saw, they're being assailed with false teaching. So Peter's final words to them is to exhort them to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. That's his, that's his closing uh, admonition, his closing exhortation, his, his last words, grow in the grace and knowledge 
of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so what he's saying is that really that's key, right? The best way to endure suffering, the best way to keep from falling into error, as it says in verse 17, right before this, is to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. And really that matches exactly what we saw last week in Ephesians 4, doesn't it? Remember, Ephesians 4 was talking about as a body we grow into mature manhood, into the image of Christ, so that we're no longer um, children, I think it said, or babies, uh, tossed children, tossed to and fro by every uh, wind of, of teaching, every cunning doctrine, right? The, the false teaching, the, the, the philosophies of this fallen world, that's a sign of immaturity. That's a sign of, of lack of growth to be deceived, But he says, as you grow, as we grow as a body, we won't be so easily deceived. We'll be stable. We'll be firm. And the same is true, of course, of us individually. Right? So, likewise, then, each of us individually as Christians are called to be growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want to grow together as a body, and we want to be growing individually so that when we come together as a body, we're we're growing. So my plan today is, is, if you look at the outline in the bulletin, just to kind of cover this under two questions, right? Again, the, our, our main idea is the verse, the, the admonition, grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. So we want to consider two questions. What does that mean, and how do we do it, <laughs> right? And I'll spend most of my time on the, on the first one, um, again, so, so you're not too concerned about that. Of course, when we hear the word grow, we do, I, I would think... Think of a baby, right, or a child growing up. Maybe you think of a plant, and that would be fine too. But oftentimes the Bible it demonstrates it like that, right? Like a baby growing up into manhood, growing up into adulthood. That is the picture that the Bible gives. When God saves us, the Bible calls it a new birth. Peter himself have, has used that term in his first letter, talking about... he. Uh, praising God for giving us a new birth into a living hope. And so the Bible explains that by nature we're actually uh, dead in our trespasses and sins. We need a new birth. We need a new life. By nature we're separated from God with dead and sinful hearts. But God in his grace and, and through his power and love and by his spirit he gives us new life. He forgives us of our sins. He reconciles us to himself through faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior. And with this new life then, God gives us new hearts. Hearts that love God, hearts that want to know him and bring glory to him. And yes, even in this new life, we still battle remaining sin, but now we're no longer enslaved to that sin. We have the Holy Spirit living inside us, and he is gradually changing us then from the inside out. He is growing us to become more like Christ. And so that's important for us to understand, because then when we hear Peter's exhortation to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, that's presupposing that there is already new life. In other words, Peter is is talking to Christians, right? He's exhorting Christians who have received the new birth through faith in Christ, right? I mean, you can't grow until you have been given life, right? You can't grow until, you've, <laughs> until you're a baby first, until there's life there. Then you can grow. And so we need to understand that. So I wanted to start there because 
I don't want, I don't want anyone to walk away thinking that this, this sermon or this verse or, or the Bible as a whole is a call for sinful people to just do better. Do you know some people think that about, about the Bible? And some people maybe kind of hear that in churches, I, sadly. It's just, it's just like a, a call for sinful people to do better. To pull yourself up by your own moral bootstraps. To get closer to God. No, the reality is we can't do that, can we, on our own. On our own, we cannot draw near to God and we cannot make ourselves right with God. And then so we certainly can't grow closer to God or more like Christ on our own. And this is where the gospel is so foundational and such good news. That's what gospel means, right? The good news of Jesus Christ is that God has done what we could not We can't draw near to God on our own, but God has drawn near to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived and died in the place of sinners to pay the penalty for our sins and to secure our right standing with God. And then we know not only did he die, but three days later he rose again in victory over sin and death and evil. And so now the Bible says the gospel message is, the good news is that every person who turns from their sin and by faith embraces Jesus as Lord and Savior, is reconciled to God, and is given that new life, is given that new birth. We cannot earn our way to God, but God freely gives us eternal life with him through faith in Christ. So again, I wanted to start there, because if if you're here today and you've never turned to God in repentance and faith, then this whole message about growing is it's getting the cart before the horse you know you need life you need new life first and I urge you today to trust in Jesus as your savior to submit to him as Lord he is Lord of all you need to recognize he's Lord and say Jesus I'm no longer going to live for myself I'm going to live for you by your enabling and so I, I would urge you to do that today. Believe in the gospel. And if, if we can be of any help to you with that, if you have further questions about that, please come see me after the service. And I'd love to talk more with you. So with that, hopefully understood then. Having been Christians then, having been given, graciously given this new life through faith in Christ, then God calls us to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Again, Peter is exhorting believers here. And notice, again, looking at the verse, 2 Peter 3.18, our life and growth are, are rooted in Christ. What does he say? We are to grow in the grace of Christ. We are to grow in the knowledge of Christ. It's all centered around Christ. Right? He is our life. He is our 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 growth. And so really this this exhortation is kind of like two commands in one, isn't it? You can kind of break it down, and that's what I did. I want to handle them one at a time. First, grow in the grace of Christ, right? We've got grow in the grace of Christ, grow in the knowledge of Christ. Let's talk about the first one, growing in the grace of Christ. What does that mean? What does it mean to grow in the grace of Christ? Well, if you're taking notes, that's what the first bullet is here. The way I describe it is grow in your understanding 
and experience of God's favor toward you in Christ. Grow in your understanding and experience of God's favor towards you in Christ. Again, he says, grow in the grace of Christ. So a good place to start when you're trying to figure that out is, well, what is grace? Right? What, is, what, what does grace mean? Well, grace is God's unmerited favor to those who deserve his, his wrath. Okay? Grace is God's unmerited, can't be earned, unmerited favor to those who deserve his wrath punishment his wrath because we are sinners we do deserve God's punishment but praise God that God is gracious I mean what a great quality right what a great word I love the word grace God is gracious through Christ God does not treat us as our sins deserve but instead God, through Christ, deals with us according to his grace and love. He chooses to show us mercy. He chooses to show us kindness. He is so generous with us in the way he treats us. He's gracious. In Christ, God graciously saves us and gives us every spiritual blessing. Hold your place there in 2 Peter 3, but turn back to Paul's letter. Right, Peter mentioned... Paul's letters in that passage we read. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. I just want to read for you when this part of a doxology where, where Paul is just praising God for all the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. And I want to read it to you highlighting um, how it's attributed to God's grace. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to begin in, well, I guess the doxology begins verse 3, so I'll start there. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. He's choosing to do this, right? Now look at verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. You see that? God has lavished us with his grace in Christ. And now Peter then is calling us, God is calling us through Peter, his servant, to grow in that grace. God has lavished his grace on us in Christ, and now we are called to grow in that grace, meaning we are to grow in our understanding and experience of God's grace for us. In other words, just think about understanding. We're to grow, we're to learn what grace is. You're called to grow in your understanding that God relates to you according to his grace and love. That's a huge truth. Grow in your understanding that God relates to you. If you're in Christ, God relates to you according to his grace and love. Grow in in learning all the blessings that God has freely lavished on you in Christ. Meditate again and again on God's promises to you in Christ. 
Grow in your understanding of forgiveness of sins, of, of justification by faith, of election, of adoption, of regeneration and redemption, of sanctification and the indwelling of the Spirit, of resurrection and glorification. Meditate on His grace to you. Grow in it. Gra- try, to, try to grasp it. Try to grasp how deep and wide is His love to us, how, how abounding is His grace to us. Try to grasp it. I know we never will fully, but we can grow in that. We can grow and, and, and appreciate more and more how much he's done for us in Christ. We don't grasp all that we have in Christ. We, we can't fathom how gracious God has been to us in Christ, but we are called to learn. We are called to grow in our understanding of that grace. And not only to grow in our understanding of it, just our, our trying to mentally grasp it, but then to grow in our experience of his favor toward us. In other words, we, need not, we, we, not, we not only need to grow in comprehending his grace, but also in experiencing that grace, in living in light of that grace. And what I mean by that is, think about it. By nature, we are prone to, to relate to God in a works-based way. Did you know that? I think it's part of the, I guess it's part of the fall. Right? It's part of our sin nature. By nature, we are prone to relate to God in a works-based way. Look at every other major religion. There's differences in what they call heaven and what, you know, whatever, but what they all have in common is they're all works-based. Right? Only Christianity, the truth, is grace-based. Because, because the truth is we can never earn our way to God. We can never earn our way to heaven or nirvana or whatever, right? No. It has to be a gift of God's grace. Every other religion says, oh, you must be a better person or just keep trying to do better. Somehow earn favor with God. But that never will work. So by nature, we're prone to that. But, and I bring that up to say, even then as Christians, loved ones, even as Christians who have been saved by grace, we can, you know, moment by moment, we can fall back into a works-based mentality. Have you noticed that? That we can still, even as as blood-bought children of God who are loved, we can still mistakenly relate to God according to our works. We, We can mistakenly fall into this notion that God remains committed to me as long as I keep up my end of the bargain. Or we can mistakenly think that the more obedient I am, the more God loves me. Or when I sin, God is angry with me, so I need to stay far away from him. We can view God as a cruel schoolmaster ready to thump us the moment we get out of line. But those notions are not true for Christians. Okay? They're not true. The truth is that in Christ, God loves us with a steadfast, never-changing love. In Christ, God will always love you, and he cannot love you more than he does right now. It's amazing, isn't it? That's grace. Yes, obedience is important. I'm not minimizing that. Sin is serious. Because we want to bring glory to God. We want to enjoy that intimacy with him. But my point is, our standing before God is not determined by our obedience. 
All of our sins, past, present, and future, have been paid for by Christ. And Christ's perfect obedience then has been credited to our account. That's what the Bible means when it says we've been justified. Justified, declared righteous in God's sight. Because of Christ. That's grace. We don't deserve that, right? But it's grace. And that's how God chooses to relate to us. That's what he's chosen to lavish on us. To the praise of his glorious grace. We don't deserve this. But again, it's all because of God's grace. And so Peter wants us to understand that. He wants us to to continue to, to grow in our understanding of that. And he wants us to relate to God according to these amazing blessings. That's why he exhorts us to grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace that is yours in Christ. That's what he's calling us to do. And that's, if I know we, uh, others have coined the phrase and we use it a lot. Preach the gospel to yourselves, right? That's, that's basically what Peter's saying. Preach the gospel to yourselves every day. Meditate on God's grace and relate to him according to that grace. Right? The devil can't take away our salvation, but he can sure um, hinder how much we enjoy our salvation, can't he? And so in order not to fall into that, let us grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So that's the first part of the exhortation, grow in grace. Second part then is grow in the knowledge of Christ. So what does that mean? Well, again, I've got a... a a statement there for you, if you're taking notes. Grow in your knowledge of and communion with Christ. Grow in your knowledge of and communion with Christ. Don't you love it when dictionaries define a word by using the same word again? I guess that's kind of what I did, right? What does it mean to grow in knowledge of Christ? What well, means to grow in your knowledge of and communion with Christ? And what I mean by that is I believe Peter has two aspects here in mind. In other words, grow in what you know about Christ and then grow in your communion with Christ, right? We use knowledge that way, don't we? How well do you know the person? Well, how, how, much, how many facts do you know about them? Yes, but how much do you relate to them, right? That's what he's saying. So we need to grow. Again, if we take those even one at a time, we need to grow in what we know about Christ, <laughs> Right? We need to keep learning more and more truth about Christ, who he is, what he has done, what he will still do in the future. And Peter gets us off to a good start in this verse, actually, doesn't he? By attaching three titles to Jesus. <laughs> do you see that there? Here in verse 18? Look, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, Savior, Christ. <laughs> That's a good place to start if you're wanting to say, I want to learn the truth about Jesus. Lord, Savior, Christ. Jesus is Lord. Lord of all. He's been, having died and rose again, defeated sin, death, and evil, he has been exalted to the highest place far above all other rule and power and authority and dominion. He is Lord of all. He is the Savior He is the one who delivers us from God's wrath that we deserve, 
from the wrath that is to come from the day of the Lord that Peter was talking about. Jesus alone is the one who saves us because he has borne that wrath and in the place of all who are united to him by faith. He is God's anointed, the Christ, the King, the promised King who will save and rule. These are three important truths about Jesus that we need to seek to understand. And I mean, I just barely, barely even flicked the surface, right? There's so much more we could say about each one of those things. What does it mean that Jesus is God's anointed? What what does Jesus save us from? As I'm saying these things, I'm not just filling time in the sermon. I want you to be thinking about, could I answer these questions? Do I know this about Jesus? Okay? What does Jesus save us from? How did Jesus become the Savior? How did Jesus become Lord? How is Jesus Lord now? What will his lordship look like in the future? I mean, there's so many truths about Jesus that we should learn, that we can learn. God God has revealed those truths to us in his word, and we have the Spirit. But we're to grow in our knowledge of that. Keep, again, continuing, just, I'm just trying to kind of prime the pump here. Wet your appetite. What are things you can learn about Jesus? Well, look at, look at his life. Look at what's revealed to us in the Gospels. What, it, what is Jesus' relationship like with the Father and the Spirit within the Godhead? What was it like for, for Jesus to be fully God and fully man? Why did he do that? And why is he still that way? Right? He is still fully God and fully man. How does Jesus carry out the roles of prophet, priest, and king? What does Jesus mean when he says, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the good shepherd, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I am the resurrection and the life? Think about all these other names for Jesus. Lion of the tribe of Judah, firstborn from the dead, son of David, son of Abraham, the new Adam, the Passover lamb, the word of God, the living water, the lamb of God. What do those mean? What do they tell us about Jesus? And those are just names, right? Let's, let's look at his character. What can we learn about Jesus by looking at his character? How did he treat people? What made him angry? What got him excited? What is Jesus devoted to? How did he relate to the Father? What was his attitude about the word of God? What did Jesus do while here on earth? What is he doing now? Lots of things to learn, isn't there? And so, let me ask you, how well do you know Jesus? How well do you know Jesus? How long could you talk to someone about Jesus? Right? There are people out there who don't know anything about Jesus. And if God would, would graciously cross our path with them and someone would you know, God's working on them to where they're actually listening or, you know, curious. How long could you talk about Jesus? It's sad that many of us Christians know more about movies or about sports or about hobbies than we do about Jesus. That's sad. And it should not be. So let us seek, loved ones, to grow in our knowledge of Christ. And just as we saw with the the first part of the exhortation to grow in grace, 
Here, I think Peter's exhortation to grow in the knowledge of Christ entails more than just head knowledge. Like I said earlier, we're also to grow in our communion with Christ. Right? They go hand in hand. The more you know about someone, the more then you're able to relate to them according to that knowledge, according to truth. That's how it is in our relationships, right? That's how it should be in our marriages. Even 1 Peter 3, 7, it calls on husbands. Uh, I think the modern translations say something about, you know, be considerate or whatever, but it's literally dwell with them according to knowledge. Seek to know them. Become a learner of your wife so you can relate to her that way, right? Well, it's the same thing with Jesus. That's what Peter's calling us to do. Learn more about Jesus so you can relate to him that way. And that just brings up an important point that again I just and and trust me I'm preaching to myself here but I, I I feel compelled to remind us of this basic basic truth right we are saved by God's grace we've been saved and brought into a relationship with Jesus right we are to have an active growing relationship with God, and specifically, I guess we could say, with Jesus, right? As we learn more about Jesus, then those truths that we're learning about Jesus, they should shape our relationship with him. Think about it. The more you learn about Jesus, that's going to enhance your worship of Jesus. The more you learn about Jesus, that's going to strengthen your faith in Jesus. The more you learn about him, the more you study about how he, his character and how compassionate and merciful he was and, and what, what a servant and how he willingly laid down his life, the more you're going to grow in your love for Jesus. Even if you already know these things, you say, well, I already know all that stuff. Well, again, we probably don't know it as well as we think we do, right? But we are to be reminded, Peter's letter says that, not the part we read, but another part of the letter, he says, I I felt like I needed to stir you up by reminder, because our love grows cold, our worship grows cold. We, We forget, we take for granted what we do know, so let's keep growing, let's keep reminding ourselves about Christ. The more we learn about Jesus, the more it will increase our love for him, the more it will enlarge our trust in him, the more it will intensify our zeal for his glory and his kingdom, the more it will deepen our intimacy with Jesus, the more it will embolden our witness for Jesus. All right, I mentioned just a few minutes ago about how long could you talk about Jesus to someone? Well, again, the closer, and I see this in my own life, right? The closer I'm walking with Jesus, the the more I'm just excited about him and the more God emboldens me and empowers me to, to talk, to witness about him to others, right? I'm, the Spirit has my ears perked up. I'm, I'm alert to those open doors. I'm even praying for those open doors. And, and, and I'm just so excited about my relationship with Jesus, I've just got to tell someone just like we are about other things we get excited about, right? So witnessing shouldn't... Again, although we need exor- exhorted about it, but really witnessing shouldn't just be a, a club that we just you know, have to keep getting beaten over. Hey, well, you should witness, you should witness, you should witness. It's, it's really to be an overflow of our relationship with Jesus, right? Earlier, Gare read from Philippians 3, and I love what Paul says here. Philippians 3, 7. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing 
worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He said, that's the, that's the thing that's most valuable to me, is to know him. And he even brings in another aspect I haven't mentioned, right? He's talking about, then I want to even know the fellowship of his sufferings. That's a way God helps us to know Jesus better is by suffering. Because we're called to walk in his steps, even down the path of suffering. So even as we're going through trials, we'll, we'll know his grace, we'll know uh, the gospel, we'll know the ministry of, of his presence in deeper and deeper ways, even through suffering for him, especially through suffering for him. So, loved ones, we've been united with Christ through faith, and now we're called to seek to have a closer and closer relationship with Jesus. So let us grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. That's what it is, and then very briefly I'll say, how do we do it? How do we do it? Now again, what's interesting, right, when we're talking about growth, we'd have, we have to say, well, life and growth comes from God, Right? I mean, this is true in the physical realm, right? You know, Timothy, you can't make yourself grow. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, you probably, you want to grow, right? You like growing. It's fun to grow. But you, you, you can't make yourself grow. Trust me, if we could, I would be much taller than I am. All right? <clears throat> no, life and growth comes from God. Same as we see that in the physical world with, you know, people, same with those of you who garden, right? You can't sit there and make your plants grow, <laughs> you know? That's the same as it is true in our spiritual lives. Growth comes from God. And so it's like, well, wait a minute. We can't make ourselves grow, but yet here Peter, God, in his word, is exhorting us to grow. So that means we have some kind of responsibility in this, don't we? And this is... This is how we can understand that. There are certain conditions that lead to growth, aren't there? There are certain conditions that will promote growth, right? Again, consider the physical realm. We can't make our kids grow, but if we, we can do our best to provide the proper nutrition, uh, the proper rest, uh, medicine if they need it or whatever, right, so that they can grow, Again, with the plants, same thing, right? You can provide the right soil and the right, enough water, enough sunlight, enough fertilizer so that it will grow. The growth comes from God, but we can provide the conditions that promote that growth, and the same is true then in our spiritual lives. There are choices we make that promote growth. And if we don't make those choices, we're choosing to not put ourselves in a position for growth, right? So you can probably already guess what these are. I'm just going to share, what, four with you. There's, there's dozens, I'm sure. Number one, intake of the word. Intake of the word. Reading, meditating, memorizing. Peter has said this himself in his letter, in the first letter, 1 Peter chapter 2. He uses this very metaphor, that we've been talking about, 1 Peter 2.2, 2, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Right? What a picture. 
right? He's saying God has given, he just says at the end of chapter one, God has given you new birth through his word. And now you're a babe in Christ. And just like those of you who have had babies, right? You know that, man, when they're hungry, they're hungry. And that's what they want. He's saying that's the kind of attitude you should have for the word of God so that you can grow. Our growth will be proportional to our intake of the word of God. And by intake, I'm talking about reading, meditating, memorizing. It's, it's always back to the basics, isn't it? And we, we're blessed in our day and age. I mean, it's a blessing and a curse. There's so much information, so many things to distract us from the word of God. But there are sure a lot of tools to help us intake the word of God too, right? I mean, you know, podcasts that read the word of God to you. Bibles and commentaries and studies that, again, hopefully draw your attention back to the word itself and explain the word. So many ways we can take in the word, but we've just got to make it a priority. Our growth will be proportional to our intake of the word of God. Second condition, prayer. Right? Prayer is how we exercise our relationship with God. Right? We've been talking about communing with Christ and, and relating... Prayer is communion with God. It's how we live out that relationship, isn't it? And, and through it we worship, through it we can, you know, or can even be reminded of, of the truths of God's word. It works well, I, I've seen in my own life, works well to begin with the word of God, maybe a short prayer to say, Lord, please you know, open my eyes to receive wonderful things from your word today. And then you read God's word and then that stirs you up to pray. Right, because you're praying based on what you've just been reminded of about God. Right, praise number three. Praise. We've talked about corporate worship. How about personal songs of praise to the Lord? Those of you who have done that, right, you know that draws you closer to God, doesn't it? That that you that really strengthens your relationship with God. Your 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 you're in personal communion with him as you sing praises to him. It draws you closer to him. It speaks, it's another way of speaking truth to your soul, assuming they're solid songs, right? And then the last thing I'll say, corporate worship. Again, just to kind of circle back around where we've been in the past weeks. Corporate worship is a place for us to grow. It is a place for us to take in God's word. It's a place to be stirred up and exhorted to then do what we need to be doing throughout the week, right? And so definitely corporate worship is a place to, to promote growth. You know, if we have kind of a laissez-faire attitude with church that, you know, I'm going to kind of come once a month or so, I mean, we're, we're just robbing ourselves of, of growth. And like we said a couple weeks ago, we're really jipping the body of Christ too from our, how God would use us to help others grow. So how are you doing with these conditions? What steps can you take to place yourself in these conditions for growth? Sometimes we call them the means of grace. They're, they're areas where, where God's life can flow into us. Putting ourselves in the path of his, of his life. Of, of that sap. If you want to think about John 15. Too, too many Christians, when you think about those conditions, we're, we're starving ourselves, right? And then it shouldn't surprise us that we're not growing, right? I mean, if you, 
don't eat physically, you're not going to grow. And the word of God is food for our soul. And yet, too many of us try to live like, like we can get by on just maybe one meal a week, you know? And then it's no wonder we're not growing. It's no wonder that we're, you know, we're just continuing to stumble and fall in the same areas again and again and again. So may God help us. Let us, by God's enabling, grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Loved ones, you will be blessed. Right? This is what we were made for, to have this relationship with Jesus. You will be blessed. God will use you as a blessing to others. And growing Christians make a healthier church. So the more you grow, the more God can use you to help others grow. The more God can use you to help bring people to Christ, which is going to get you all that more excited and growing. I mean, it's just going to be this great, whatever you call it, synergy kind of thing happening, right? And as we see with the conclusion of verse 18 and the conclusion of Peter's letter, this is all for God's glory, isn't it? But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. As we grow, Christ is glorified. As we enjoy our relationship with him, it just highlights the treasure that he is. As we grow to become more like him, it makes us more of a display of his glory. So that he receives all praise and honor. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this clear exhortation to grow in the grace and knowledge of of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, again, we just want to join Paul's doxology in Ephesians 1 and praise you for your glorious grace. What an amazing God you are. There is no one like you who is so full of grace. Thank you for all all the undeserved favor that you have poured out on us and that you lavish on us day after day and that you tell us you're going to lavish on us for eternity. Oh, help us to grow in our understanding and and, in our grasping of that grace. Forgive us for when we relate to you still not according to truth, when we relate to you according to our own um, sinful, false notions. Help us relate to you according to who you are and what you have done. Help us relate to you according to grace. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we, we confess how much we need you. We, some of us maybe are, are, are just uh, inherently disciplined, but I know many of us are weak, Lord, and, and even, even Jesus, you said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so please come alongside us and help us. Help us to repent and to to, um, seek your help to put these practices in place. Help us to put ourselves in position where where you can grow us, where you will grow us. Oh, we want to grow. We want to know you and enjoy you for the praise of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you stand, please? And we're going to sing a song of praise to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.